Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Okay, even I'm, as the native Colorado guy, not going to say we need the moisture today because that's a little silly. That's a little ridiculous. Pouring buckets out there in the Denver metro area. If you are out on the roads, careful with the standing water. People having a... You will learn how to spell hydroplane very quickly. Saw a few of those things on the way in today, so be careful out there. The Denver Nuggets have an opportunity to move to the Western Conference Finals with a win tonight. The notable stories, not only the lack of a return for Chris Paul, Sandy, he will not return for this game with the groin injury, but DeAndre Ayton ruled out tonight with a rib contusion. That's obviously big, but... The Nuggets aren't necessarily uh, off the hook either as Jamal Murray with a non-COVID illness is questionable. Breaking that game down, and let's let's assume for the moment that Murray can't go. This really changes the dynamic for both of those teams substantially, and I think throws a lot of it up into the air. I think it does. Uh, earlier, uh, before we got word on Murray, George, Carl, and I did what at least for the time being, will be a weekly podcast. And George will join us here in about an hour and a half. And George made the point that it's uh, interesting how often when you're facing an elimination game, all of a sudden an injury develops out of nowhere. Uh, there was no sign that DeAndre Ayton was in any kind of physical discomfort the other night, now we hear he has a rib contusion. That's bad uh, enough to keep him I, out. I think it's a combination of two things. One, he doesn't want to play. I'm not sure he even likes basketball very much in general anymore if he ever did. Uh, he's a guy who uh, uh, rested on his talent as a college player, uh, was uh, really quite good in his first year or two in the NBA, and has since been a guy that the Phoenix Suns have been desperately trying to get rid of. Uh, absent uh, even a replacement-level option, uh, they made the decision to sign him, which I'm sure this offseason will be followed by a desperate attempt to trade DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I think half of it is he doesn't want to play, and half of it is the Suns don't want DeAndre Ayton to play. They want to start by Umbo, uh, continue to bring Landale off the bench, and they think that's a better option and that they not only are a better team, at least in Phoenix, without Chris Paul, but they're a much better team at this point anywhere without any sign of DeAndre Ayton. Nikola Jokic could hardly be, uh, be playing any better than he is, and uh, I, I don't think Ayton's absence is a factor except in a psychological sense because it means that Phoenix is given another up on the series. Right. Uh, however, uh, Murray's illness does present a bit of an issue. And I would suggest that the Nuggets not mess with their rotation at all if Murray can't and I imagine we'll see something between 42 minutes for Murray tonight and no minutes for Murray tonight. Uh, hopefully, 
The Nuggets will play a game similar to the one they played the other night in which Murray will not be called upon to score, but rather to facilitate, which is less taxing, and might be able to give him 20 minutes. Uh, Chris Paul is definitely out. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, as questionable, seems to be more on the doubtful side than the questionable Expected side. Expected not to play at this point. Yes. Yeah. Okay. According uh, to the folks so, at the Athletic. So, I'd put Reggie Jackson in the starting lineup and call it good and celebrate at around 10.30 tonight a six-game victory over the Phoenix Suns. I am, am loath in general to cast doubt on injuries. Your point is taken, though, that Aiton in the Game 5 loss uh, actually was one of they're more effective players, especially not named Booker or Durant. Seven for twelve. That's so bad, Phoenix. Yeah, look. seven for twelve from the field, almost sixty percent. Fourteen points, nine boards, a couple of steals. Uh, not not an awful game. Not the kind of game when you're the number one overall pick, you expect to be a, a transcendent star. But but not a bad game. And the truth is, uh, in in the series, that was one of his better games. In in the two wins they had in Phoenix. He was far worse than he's been in the losses, where he's actually shot pretty well. Uh, seven for 11 well, in, they, in game they, one. They are looking two. to play Landale, I, I think, at least 20 minutes. And I, I think they feel about Landale, boy, so far so good, but the law of diminishing returns does come into play. If he plays more than 20 I minutes, foul trouble becomes an issue. Lunch. It isn't if he's only playing 15 to 20 minutes a game. Uh, Jokic is going to uh, obliterate anybody uh, in his path other than the most elite of opponents. I mean, I think Landale, if, if he gets starting minutes, I think Jokic will foul him out. Well, Landale I mean, I don't start. think there's any doubt. Landale I think they'll go with, with Biombo, as you exactly. point out. But he Just didn't play at all the Nuggets in the would previous go with, game. Or should go with Reggie Jackson, who also... Well, only played four minutes. I know, but you're not disturbing the rotation. Right. I, I think the way you, Bruce you Brown played, you want to leave play it the way starters big minutes. There's, I mean, Phoenix the other night uh, played a starter eight minutes. Uh, Kevin Love for the Miami Heat has been pretty good in these playoffs. Played 16 minutes last night. Contavious Caldwell-Pope in the win only played 27. It's not well, outlandish. Yeah, but I'm talking about guys who are not uh, right. playing, who are starting. Vanderbilt, 11 minutes mm-hmm. for the Lakers. Right. Starting player. Uh, you know, I, I I think he can find in almost every instance. Hey, the Knicks played two guards forty eight minutes last night. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm looking at uh, Josh Hart, who's a pretty good player, but he was bad last night. The first time he came in, they sat him. And Tom Thibodeau has no patience, no matter who it is for guys who can't do. Whether it's Randall, if he doesn't play, he sits. Uh, if Hart doesn't play well. He sits. I I love Josh Hart. I think he's a useful player. He got nine minutes last night, and there was no sign of him in the second half. They're playing Quentin Grimes, who's not even a starter normally, right? Right. And he plays 48 minutes last night. It was the first time two Knickerbockers in a playoff game played 48 minutes in the same game since Walt Frazier and Jerry Lucas in Game 5 of the 1972 Eastern Conference Finals Knicks against Boston. And I did hear about that, and I did look it up. And Jerry Lucas, this tells you how the game has changed. Jerry Lucas was well into his 30s, I think mid-30s by then. 
34, 35 years old. He played 48 minutes against Dave Cowens and outplayed him. That's how great Jerry Lucas was. Jerry Lucas might be one of the most, uh, I know he is, but I, one of the five most underrated players in the history of the National Basketball Association. He outplayed Wilt Chamberlain and Dave Cowens for extended periods in 1972 when he was uh, virtually as old as Wilt and a lot older than Cowens, who would next year be the MVP of the entire league. But anyway, uh, it, it, along with two guys playing 48 minutes, other guys, Tom Thibodeau had to win last night. He's down th- his team's down three games to one. He's not messing around. If you don't produce, you don't play. Uh, Poole was in the same situation for Golden State. The other night he played yep. 10 minutes. Now, last night he played better, so he got a little more run after he was substituted in for the first time. Uh, George said earlier on the podcast, uh, I asked him particularly about Poole in the next game when the Lakers are at home against Golden State trying to close out a series that is also three games to two. I asked him whether he would handle pool the way Steve Kerr is apparently handling pool. And he says, yes, I give him initial minutes. And if he isn't contributing, I bench him. And if it means playing Steph Curry and or Clay Thompson, 48 minutes or close to 48 minutes, that's the way I go. The Nuggets have the luxury of being up three games to two and playing a road game tonight that they don't have to win. Uh, And so if there's any question about Murray, I'd either limit his minutes or not play him at all. And if you need him for game seven, you get the extra day. They don't play until Sunday. I would assume if it's a non-COVID illness and something like the stomach flu or stomach it virus seems to be going, going around, around it, that he'd be okay by Sunday. I, I'm inclined to agree. I think at this game, unless, unless you feel, I mean, and who knows? You know, things with, if it is stomach, who knows what? Sometimes, who knows? You can get a couple of IVs, you can feel okay. And yeah. but I'm with you. Unless he feels right, I don't put him out there. But I mean, Sandy, the challenge here for the Suns without Aiton and without Paul. I mean, these numbers are almost comical. I'm not even getting into averages. I'm just going to do. I'm just going to do this. Okay. And let's just assume that, that Biombo scores. Here are the seven leading scores for the Suns in this series. Not by average, by total points. Devin Booker, 173. Kevin Durant, 154. Now, you take Aiton out of the equation. You take Paul out of the equation. In points per game, by the way, that's their number three and number four scores. But total points in the series available tonight. The next highest guy, Landry Shamit with 32. Cameron Payne and Jock Landale with 26. And Bismack Biombo with 11. That's the total points they I scored. understand, but even uh, with... Me, uh, Terrence Ross. Even with eight 22. And Paul. Listen, Paul's going to the Hall of Fame. Sure he is. But he's also 38. Mm-hmm. And he has a four- to six-week injury that it, they didn't even consider playing him tonight. That, that workout the other night was for show. Uh, to, to put it in the Nuggets' minds that, he oh, might, oh, he might play in game six. Nuggets don't care. Nuggets probably would rather have him play. Especially he hurt. Run. Kidding? Yeah. He's got a four to six week injury. Any doctor will tell you that. He can't play. Especially when you're 38. He's not even close to playing. 
somebody pointed out, I think one of the ex-players on TNT the other night, I think it was Shaq, he started laughing when they showed that clip. He said, you can have a four- to six-week groin injury. You can run back and forth all day long. You can't move side to side. If you can't move side to side, you can't play, especially on defense, but even on offense. You're not always running in a straight line. Mm -hmm. It's not a board hockey game we're talking about here. He has no ability to move laterally, period. No qualification. If this series were somehow delayed by two weeks, he could not play. Even if they started the series from scratch, he could not play. So all you saw the other night was Paul working out. He's just working out. Running back and forth in a straight line. He wasn't cutting. He wasn't moving laterally. Uh, it's cardio. Listen, <laughs> the Suns think they're a better team without eight. I would tend to agree with him at this point. His absence, I think, probably makes Phoenix that much faster. Go small. But with or without, whatever you think of Aiton and whatever you think of Chris Paul at this particular point in his career, with or without him, you have two guys to worry about and two guys only. only. Their names are Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. That's it. That's the list. I don't care if Shamit scores 132 points yep. in this series. It's a two-man team. We were talking about uh, a lot of subjects today on the podcast, uh, both actually on the podcast and uh, between breaks on the podcast. The only player I know of who won an NBA championship virtually by himself was Rick Barry for the Golden State Warriors in 1975. He did everything. And the team around him was not only average, it wasn't even very good. A team that without Rick Barry, it'd be like the Nuggets playing without Jokic. They, they might win 20 games. They might, they might win 20 games out of 82. That Warrior team didn't even have that sparkling a record. And... In the finals, they swept the Washington Bullets. That's the only time that I've ever seen one man carry a team to a championship in basketball. Uh, In hockey, I guess you could say a goaltender could do it if he gets hot enough. Patrick Waugh, Montreal Canadiens, 1993. Mm -hmm. Canadians are far from being the best team in the league. Patrick won 10 straight games in the playoffs in overtime. Patrick won those games. Sure. He won those games single-handedly. The Canadians weren't that good. But basketball isn't hockey. basketball ain't hockey. Mm -mm. And one player carrying a team to a championship, Bill Russell didn't do it. He had a supporting cast. He had a Hall of Famers all all around him. Michael Jordan had, you know, Scottie Pippen and, uh, you know, what, a decent guy, Horace Grant. Of course, Grant was a good player. Dennis Robbins, Steve Kerr, John Paxton. They they had a lot of good role players. They didn't have Rodman the whole time, but you get the idea. But they did during the 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 idea. The latter run that they had. But they had good good role players around. Right. And a great player in Scottie Pippen. Barry had rookie Keith Wilkes. He wasn't even Jamal then. He was a rookie out of UCLA. They had a guy named Phil Smith. They had a two headed center monster 
uh, consisting of Clifford Ray and George Johnson. I remember that team very well. Rick Barry carried them to a title. That's why Rick Barry is one of the more underrated players in the in the history of the NBA. Because even even the all time greats couldn't win championships by themselves. Look at Kareem in Los Angeles before Magic got mm-hmm. there. He won MVP awards, multiple MVP awards. The Lakers weren't even a consideration as a championship contender during that time. When Magic came aboard, and later they got James Worthy, they they added two Hall of Famers to Kareem. And even late in his career, when Kareem really wasn't much more than an average NBA center, they were winning championships with Magic and and James Worthy leading the way. So, listen, uh, these guys, these two guys, I think are good enough to win another game, maybe, with superlative performances. But they'll be so out of gas. They're going to have to play 45 minutes each. Whether they're out of gas or not. You can't put two guys, and this is what they'd need now, to win two games. They'd need two guys. They didn't even have that in Phoenix because Durant wasn't superhuman in both games. He was pretty damn good in game four. Booker was great in both games. But they really had only in one game the two guys at the top of their game together. In game three, Durant wasn't that great. And I went and make another point about uh, Durant. You start Gordon on Durant, and he plays as aggressively as he did the other night, you at least slow him down. Then you put Christian Brown in, and George Carl agrees with something I said the other day. There is no Nugget defender who gets under Durant's skin without Durant wanting to fight him beyond Christian Brown. Christian Brown gets under Durant's skin by playing clean, hard basketball. Kevin Durant is shooting fall-away jumpers, a seven-footer with a high release, an incredible range on a shot. He's shooting fadeaway jumpers, the lowest of percentage shots, against six-foot, six-inch Christian Brown, who is in his mind unlike any other defender against Kevin Durant that I can remember during Durant's time in the NBA. I'm not saying Brown is the best defender. I'm saying without making Durant want to fight him, he's getting under Durant's skin. Durant does next to nothing when defended by Christian Brown. Completely taken out of the game. We will, of course, talk more about this as the show goes along. Terrific opportunity for the Denver Nuggets. We talked about this at the end of the game, at the end of the show yesterday. It felt like the Suns were ready to topple. That maybe they felt that we talked about this moments in Minnesota where teams understand that they can be in the games but not win the series. And it felt like after game five, perhaps the Suns were teetering on that. Perhaps they've pitched all the way over. We have terrific guesses, as Sandy pointed out. George Carl will join us in just about an hour. In uh, just a little over 30 minutes, Romy Bean will join us. So we will break down all of Game 6 from every angle. We'll get back to it, but we want your opinion on it, too. 303-831-1340 is the call or text line. We'll be back with more on My Life Sports. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was.
Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy, I understand that you can't take a look at the Suns and look at the players and Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Durant, who has multiple championships. Yeah. Booker, who has elevated his game into superstar and in the playoffs and think they're just going to roll over. And you know what? We both we know for a fact, because they've both done it, by the way. Both of these guys can throw down 60 in a game. Each of them scored 60-plus in a game in their career. So you can't totally write this off. But at the same time, those numbers I gave you, the third leading scorer for tonight in this series for the Suns has 32 total points. This gives the Nuggets such flexibility. You can start with Gordon on Durant like before, and and you know what? If Durant uh, seems to be getting a little better or push, okay, double him. Uh, Landry Shamit, if you leave him wide open all game, will not score 50 points. No. He no, won't. I, and so you you now have the, the flexibility. You need to – Durant's getting a little hot. Great. Throw somebody else on him. And, and same thing with Booker. And Durant in particular, we've seen it in this series. He is not Nikola Jokic. He is a willing passer, and he is a capable passer. But he doesn't pass out of doubles well, and he doesn't pass when he's pressured particularly well. No, he turns, turns the ball the over. over. So I have no problem if I'm the Nuggets. The second Durant looks like he's getting hot, double well, him. I, I, I Leave would, one of these other dudes wide open. I, I would, Good luck, Josh Akogi. The only game where both were equally damaging to the Nuggets was game four. Uh, yes. That was the only game. So how many have they played now? And by the way, the minutes have gone up for those guys. It's three games. They played five games and one game, one game, they were great together. They both scored 36. It's hard for two guys to score And neither one of them took 20 shots. Short of that, I'm almost at the point where I say, it doesn't matter if Murray plays or not. The Nuggets are going to win the game unless they both score 35 or more. Well, and, and, and they'll do everything they can I, to I mean, do that. You say, well, Durant had 39 in game three. How can you say like that? He took 39 shots effectively. Okay 31 from the field and 16 from the foul line divided by two is eight. So that's 39 mm-hmm. on 39 shots. That, you can live with that. Sure you can. Sure you J- can. Just as you could live with the guy scoring 50 points if it took him 50 shots to get it. And again, keep in mind, these two guys together, and Booker's been better than Durant, but these two guys together average seven turnovers a night in this series. Seven. Yeah. I, I am now so I, unless they're both on fire, which is possible, but not likely. You you can't overcome that. Now, will I be shocked if Phoenix wins tonight? No, because you can probably find one more game in both of them where they could go off. But I already explained that you know Christian Brown and Aaron Gordon combined, uh, somewhat like kryptonite for. Durant, he, you've got a six nine guy who's strong as a bull, and a six six guy who's young and strong, but gives up at least five inches. And Durant's taking turnaround jump shots against him. Now, Durant is a great bad shot player. He'll make three, four out of ten on those turnarounds when most people will be lucky to make one out of every 10, but it's still three or four out of 10. That stinks. That's a losing percentage. I don't care how many points he gets. I guess if you send him to the line 
for 20 free throw attempts, he could go 10 for 26 and still have an impact on the game. But I think the Nuggets have kind of figured that out, all right? Don't foul him when he's shooting. Right. And clog the lane inside and make him into a jump shooting team. That's the way that I look at that the Nuggets could somehow leave them in is is get themselves into foul trouble. At the point, contest, but do not foul. If if you you've contested it, you've got your hands up. They shoot over you. They hit it. You know What's whatever. Shooting for the series, Durant. Durant, on on uh, just on average for field shooting, goals. Field goal percentage on the series for Kevin Durant is at forty five point eight. You live with that? Sure, you can. Anything below forty six percent for Durant. Well, you're, it, you're defending it, him. It essentially well. caps your scoring efficiency, obviously. And so if they stay where the average is, uh, yeah, I agree. You know, Kevin Durant is gonna again. This is an opportunity for Michael Malone to instruct his charges. You're like, look, Durant will probably get 30. Okay. Don't worry about the points he gets. Worry about how many shots it takes him to get there, and don't put him on the stripe. Well, he didn't get 30 the other night. He didn't come well, close. tonight, I'd be, um, I almost certainly I, I, will. I'm just saying. If by volume alone. I'm just saying. And that's why you don't worry about. Even if he got 30 and the other guy got 40, they possible, can't win. They still and they win. couldn't win with Chris Paul. And Aiton or without Chris Paul or Aiton. It doesn't matter. They're the only two guys you have to worry about. You've got five defenders. You can figure out a way to make life hard for at least one of them. I'm not saying that both will have bad games or in order for the Nuggets to win, both have to have bad games, subpar games, but both of them can't be scintillating, and they haven't been in this series in the same game save for one time out of five. Now, is it conceivable that they could make it two out of six? Yes. Is it conceivable that they could do it in consecutive games, one being in Denver, where they're like they were in game four, 36 and 36, and neither one of them takes 20 shots? No. In my opinion, no, no, no. Jokic can do that. He may do it again tonight. He may take fewer than 20 shots and get 35 to 40 points. Get to the line a little more. Aiton is at least strong enough to bother him. All, all Biombo can do is foul him. And Landale, if he's he's got to play more than maybe five or six minutes against Jokic, he's going to foul out too. Right. And I think actually, I, I think Nikola Jokic, because the way the series has gone and he's starting to... Uh, we're starting to see a bit of a swagger from Nikola Jokic that I'm not entirely sure we've ever seen before in his career. You know, after the little uh, shakedown with Matt Ishbia, the prior to the game, uh, you could see that Jokic had a little bit of fun with Ishbia about it with the game ball, and and Jokic walked off completely unfazed, kind of chuckling to himself. Uh, along with Bruce Brown, kind of nosed into their uh, huddle. Uh, Nikola Jokic has got a little swagger about him, and... If I, I agree with you. If they're going to throw Biombo and Landell at him, and Landell has played reasonably well against Jokic in his limited minutes, I think Jokic will look at that and say, this guy can't hang with me. I'm going to foul him right out of this game. The psychologically strong player in this series, with all due respect to Booker, who's been tremendous for the most part, and even Durant, who has been able to rise up at least during the two home games and find a way to uh, 
elevate his performance. Certainly he's been better in the two games in Phoenix than in any of the three games in Denver. Psychologically strongest players in the playoffs are Nikola Jokic, LeBron James, and Jimmy Butler. In, and with James like and Butler, it, you can switch between two and three. The strongest player psychologically in these playoffs and the best leader in these playoffs up until now has been Nikola Jokic, and that's why the Nuggets are favored to win their title for the first time as an NBA team. They are the favorites to win a championship at any point during the playoffs. Yep. In the month of May, they're the favorites. And probably, uh, I I guess before this season, they weren't favorites in April, but they weren't favored this year in April. In May, they're favored, however slightly over the Lakers. And then Philadelphia is next a little bit behind those two. And maybe you talk about the guys that have been consistent and leaders. I think I think you hit it on the head. It's it's Jokic, James, and Butler. And I, I those three. I give with all due respect to I'm okay with five or six in, other I'm, I'm okay with putting them in any order because I think all three of those guys have been absolute rocks this this uh this postseason. But Jokic has been the best. You know and why he's been the best? To James Harden in there. As the, well, nu- the, the Nuggets. But he's in the yeah, no, next level. Harden's had bad games, and the 76ers have got blowed out multiple times. Mm-hmm. The only team that hasn't been blown out in the playoffs. Yep. The Denver Nuggets. That's it. That's it. One team. That's why Jokic has been the best player in the playoffs. That's why. His team has not only lost infrequently, it's only lost close. Now, I'm not saying they could have or should have won all those games they lost. They're one and three on the road. They're an especially good road team. But they have home court advantage. Right. On everybody left save for Boston. And I give Boston a lot less than a 50-50 shot at this point to knock off Philadelphia. After the way Boston has blown one game and gotten blowed out in the other over the last two games in that series. At home, getting blowed out. After completely blowing the game the other day. They had a five-point lead under two minutes in regulation. Uh, they were up in overtime, too, under two minutes. They had a lead, not five, but they had a lead with under two minutes to go. They couldn't hold either lead, and they flat out in stupefyingly uh, ridiculous fashion found a way both on the sidelines and on the court to uh, mishandle the final seconds of game four. And then game five, they didn't show up. And now they're, they're just another jump-shooting team. team takes a lot of jumpers. And on nights when Tatum and Brown are hot, they win. And, again, they've become like Phoenix. And I think the coach has a lot to do with that because they weren't like that a year ago. They, they, they were the best team all around mm-hmm. because Udoka, frankly, was a better young coach than Joe Mazzula appears to be. Inexperienced though he was, he knew enough to play the two Williams guys off his bench last year and uh, really play them at times, Grant Williams and Robert Williams, as virtual starters. This guy, if you can't play offense, you're nailed to the bench with Joe Mazzulla. Uh, he's either stubborn or so confused that it, as an assistant coach last year, he doesn't understand why Boston won. So you have all these flawed teams – and the Nuggets aren't perfect, as we've seen in three of the four road games they've played in these playoffs. 
but they have a leader who is a rock, an absolute rock. And he does it without being terribly demonstrative. I did remember, and you probably too, in one huddle uh, in Phoenix over this past weekend where he got worked up and was screaming at his teammates and maybe his coach in a huddle. And you could see him gesturing and very upset. Uh, I thought at that particular time, it was justified, if not helpful. The Nuggets lost the game. Mm -hmm. But other than that, he leads without being demonstrative or vocal. About showing that there are various leadership styles. And, and let's let's give, for a moment, Michael Malone some credit, too, because we've, we've seen this a couple times during the season. And Malone's allowed us to Malone at times take over has simply given Jokic a whiteboard and said, go for it. And I do want to single that out because that is extraordinarily unusual, and I think it speaks volumes about not only the trust that Michael Malone has in Jokic, but the trust that Jokic has in Michael Malone. Well, and it it's also important. tells you that Michael Malone is uh, maybe a little more secure than I've given him credit for being, because um, I remember when a coach did that, we were talking about the 75 NBA Finals, uh, it took Casey Jones for about a decade almost a decade to regain his reputation because in a huddle that was basically videotaped by CBS, even though coaches hated that CBS persuaded the NBA to let their cameras into huddles. And during the finals, or at least during the playoffs that year in 1975, in one Casey Jones huddle, some guy named Bernie Bickerstaff, some assistant coach named Bernie Bickerstaff, whatever happened to him, um, ran the huddle. And Casey Jones got eviscerated. I mean eviscerated. Front man, not a real coach. And even 13 years later, after he had won multiple championships as head coach of the Boston Celtics, it was said, one, that Larry Bird really coached the team, not Casey Jones. And two, in a 1988 first-round playoff series between Boston and New York, there were writers and perhaps a few broadcasters who, in handicapping the series, gave the New York coaching edge definitively to Rick Pitino, who never won a thing as an NBA coach, over Casey Jones, who had only won two championships and participated on, I think, at least 10 as an NBA player. And they gave Patino, who never won anything in the NBA, the coaching edge over him, going back to that one incident. So you have to be, even in this day and age, a pretty secure head coach to give your huddle over to a player or an assistant coach. You have to be pretty secure in your job to do that. So far, it is working for the Nuggets. We will continue with the story for Game 6 tonight, an opportunity to go to the Western Conference Finals, and an update on Gabriel Landeskog from the man himself next on Miley Sports.
This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Congratulations go to Gabe Landeskog at his knee surgery yesterday. Of course, uh, this is multiple for the same issue, but on uh, his own Instagram picture of himself with a his leg and, of course, a significant brace, but a very big smile and saying everything went well yesterday. Appreciate all the support. We'll obviously find out for Landeskog in a year. But step one, of course, is getting through the surgery as cleanly as it could be, and it sounds like that went very well. So good sign and a good luck for Gabriel Landeskog as he continues a uh, a long recovery from this injury that will take him for all of next hockey season as well. But, I mean, all you can do is one step at a time. And so the first step for Gabe Landeskog looks as if it went well and that that is terrific news. So congratulations there and uh, wonderful news for Landeskog and, and hopefully eventually for the Avalanche as well. But the uh, Denver Nuggets have never reached the mountaintop that the Avalanche have reached, not once, not twice, but three times. And they've never even gotten to the finals. They have gone to the Western Conference Finals four times yeah. in their history. And, of course, one's not that long ago. It seemed up until last night as if it might be against the Lakers for the fourth time in five tries, again, if it happens this year. But all of a sudden, uh, a head injury to Anthony Davis, a loss for the mm-hmm. Lakers, now all of a sudden... The Lakers, who looked like they were in complete control of the series, uh, now seem like they're anything but. Well, uh, yes, I'd agree with that. At the same time, Golden State, it's two road wins in games five and seven against Sacramento notwithstanding, remains a puzzlingly bad road team. That's one. Two... Even playing without LeBron from the last week in March on through the present day, the Lakers have not lost a home game. They have a real home court advantage. Remember, they won their title in the bubble without home court because there wasn't any home court for anybody in the bubble in Orlando, Florida in 2020 except maybe just kind of a little bit more comfort for the Miami Heat, who are the Eastern Conference champs in the bubble in 2020 and seem more comfortable in the bubble environment because it wasn't that far removed from where they actually lived. They seem more comfortable there than a lot of teams who just, like Milwaukee and Philadelphia, who never seemed to want to be there in the first place. They were there grudgingly. So this is something new for the Lakers to be supported as vociferously as they have been by their fans and found a real advantage in playing at home. And given those two things, yes, of course you'd rather have Davis than not have him could they squeeze out a home win as good as they've been at home with LeBron James and with a good bench? Could they squeeze one out against a Golden State team that just seems to lose its mind on the road Mm -hmm. many times? Went 11-30 in the regular season on the road. Not inconceivable, but you're right, and it shows, again, how fast things can change. One minute, you're up 3-1, 
series effectively over. Even if you don't win game five, you got game six at home to finish off the Warriors. And all of a sudden, not only are you blown out of game five, but you lose Davis to what they're describing as a head injury, but seem very eager to say, now it doesn't appear to be a concussion, although we can't say for certain officially that it is not a concussion. We don't think it is. And Darvin Ham after the game, who's, by the way, done a great job coaching in these playoffs, Darvin Ham saying after the game, well, he seemed to be recovering already, even since he left the arena. And from what we understand, was apparently so wobbly going back to the locker room that they had to put him in a wheelchair. And he looked like he had... He looked like a punch-drunk boxer leaving the court. Yeah. Just leaving the court. Forget about going all the way back to the locker room. So I, I think there has to be concern. And if it isn't a concussion, he did a very good impersonation of a person who had just been concussed. Yes, and... uh you know, who knows? The, the, the seriousness of the way sports in general still treats concussions is always in um, some level of dispute. At least it certainly is for me. But it, it does make it interesting. And uh, for the for the Nuggets, the let, let's face it, that is the best possible solution. You want that series to go to seven. You're going to have a tough series. Uh, assuming you get past Phoenix, and we can assume that. The Nuggets cannot, obviously. But if they get past Phoenix, uh, look. Neither the Lakers or the Golden State Warriors are going to be pushovers. Those are battle-tested championship-caliber oh, teams. Of course. And so of course. you want them to beat each other up as much as you possibly can. They, 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 you want this to go seven, and you get who you get. You know, um, this series fascinates me because I, I, I just can't figure it out. First of all, it seems to me that it's about defense more than offense, that each game that's been won in this series – has been won more on defense than it has been on offense, including the game last and night, there have which not finished been a lot of to 106. In this playoffs, across the playoffs, right. they have really been that right. Way. But but I think there's a defensive flavor to this series. Um, not that there isn't great offense being played. And every time I'm ready to dismiss Golden State, and it happened in the Sacramento series after you know Sacramento uh, was up. And, you know, it's 2-2 after four games. And they, when the, they, they're going into the fifth game, and it's been, a, it's been a home series up until that point. Home teams have been actually pretty dominant. And all of a sudden, the fifth game, Golden State wins. But then they lay an egg like Boston did mm-hmm. against Philadelphia the other night, and they blow the sixth game. And they, they really don't come that close to winning it. And you're thinking, it's <laughs> – they're not going to win two games in a row in Sacramento when they've been 11 and 30 on the road this year. They're not going to play that way. And in game seven, they played better than they did in game five, even. And the core guys rose to the occasion, as they so often have in the past Green, Thompson, Curry. And last night, they reached back again. And actually, last night was, I thought, a game they could lose. I didn't think they would, but I thought it was possible they could if the Lakers hung in for three, three and a half quarters. They might steal it at the end. And 
LeBron had a good game in Davis before he went out with his quote-unquote head injury. Uh, it was, was playing well, but LeBron finished minus 16 in 39 minutes, and Davis was minus 22 in 32 minutes. Draymond Green played the best game I've seen Draymond Green play since the playoffs last year. 20 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. Yes, he had 5 turnovers, but he was plus 13 in 30 minutes. He was tremendous. Clay Thompson wasn't very good, but Curry was. And, you know, here's a guy in uh, Peyton who doesn't necessarily give you great box score numbers unless plus-minus is part of the box score, and he's a terrific plus-minus player. He was 13-6-1 last night with a steal, plus 25 in 27 minutes. That's, that's pretty good. And Steve Kerr, who is a remarkable head coach, because he has a feel not only for the game but for his team, the last two games he's put Peyton into the starting lineup. And he has pool playing on prove-it minutes. In other words, you get in the game and you prove you belong in the game in the first half, I'll give you another stint. If you don't prove that you belong in the game, you won't play anymore. And, by the way, you started some playoff games last year, remember, against the Nuggets when Curry was coming off the bench after his injury? Pool's like their, at best, eighth guy. Maybe their ninth right now. And that doesn't include Kaminga, but Steve Kerr trusts, as things stand now, I think about seven guys. I think he trusts Looney, even though Looney's sick. He trusts DiVincenzo. Mm -hmm. He trusts him. Even though he didn't score a point last night, I thought he was effective for 13 minutes. And he trusts the five guys starting, Green, Wiggins, Curry, Thompson, and Peyton. That's not a very long list of trustworthy players, but he does trust the right guys, and he will give people a shot if they earn it. And they may even get a couple of shots if they earn it. So I I just can't believe, if the Warriors can win game six, that Steph Curry would lose another seventh game at home to LeBron James, as he did in 2016. It does seem hard to envision, but either way, uh, one, the Nuggets would love to see it go seven, and two, um, personally, as a basketball fan, uh, I'd like to see it myself. I think this would be a show. the best series in the playoffs. That would really be a do. show. I mean, I you're really talking do. about first ballot Hall of Famers, you know, oh, you, you haymakers got, coming you, out every you, round. You I got mean, it's Hall of Famers all over the place. I mean, in, it's going to be really series. good. And and uh, the, the Nuggets have a spot, an opportunity here tonight, if they get the win, to rest while those teams have to slug it out. And uh, that would not be a bad situation, especially knowing you have home court against either one of them. We'll have a chance to talk about this, maybe even touch on a little bit NFL with uh, one of our very favorite guests, Romy Bean, who will join us from CBS News in Colorado. Next on Miley Sports.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.